Hey everybody, I'm Kyle Rosdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart. Making today make sense is what we do on this podcast. Right, and I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you everyone for joining us on this Thursday. It is November the 9th. So we're going to do what we do on Thursdays, uh, listen to some audio from uh, the stories of the week. We will uh, chit-chat about it, and then we'll uh, move on. So let's go. The FOMC is committed to achieving a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2% over time. We are not confident that we've achieved such a stance. We know that ongoing progress toward our 2% goal is not assured. Inflation has given us a few head fakes along the way. If it becomes appropriate to tighten policy further, we will not hesitate to do so. You know what I not wonder about Not on my bingo card for Jay Powell. <laughs> no, no, neither, neither was a little hot mic moment, but we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what I wonder about Jay Powell? I wonder, because it sort of sounded there, and it sounded this past Wednesday, not yesterday, but a week ago Wednesday. Uh, it's like he's a little bored of saying the same thing. He's been saying the same thing now for months and months and months and months and months, right? We've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. We're going to stay uh, restrictive as long as we need to, blah, blah. And you can tell he's just sort of getting sick and tired of saying it. Anyway, that was Jay Powell today uh, at a at a um, conference organized by the International Monetary Fund. You get to go up and was there. Kenneth Rogoff was there. A bunch of other big names in economics. And arguably the biggest of all, Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed saying, again, what he has been saying for months and months and months and months and months, which is that the Fed's not done yet. The reason he said it, though, is because the market in the past week has basically been looking at Jay Powell and going, we don't care what you say. You're done. We're going to send <laughs> bond done. yields down and stocks up, and we don't believe you that you're going to keep rates up. And I think he's just trying to make sure the market believes him. That's what I think. You know, we've talked about this a little bit, but this concept of economic belief versus economic reality keeps showing up mm-hmm. everywhere in this yeah. economy. And it really is so fundamental. Like people will tell any kind of story they want, believe any kind of story they want, even when the data goes the other way. And that goes mm-hmm. in economic policy when it comes to politics, but also in terms of what the chairman of the Federal Reserve says he is going to do. <laughs> right, right. Totally. Totally. Uh, Anyway, just because I uh, alluded to it, Powell was interrupted by some climate protesters near the top of his remarks and got caught on a on a hot mic moment saying uh, the way to keep people out of those uh, meetings was to just close the front door. Except they didn't say front. (laughs) It was pretty funny. And ladies, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you use the F-bomb in polite conversation, you, too, can grow up to be a central banker. That's all I'm saying. I'm kidding. You cannot. Kids, don't. (laughs) Don't. Uh, Don't. Really? Okay. Really? Next. It is historic, and we got so much, so much important stuff and uh, improvements financially uh, in so many different places that I feel like we all in our negotiating committee slept much better last night than we have in months. I mean, did they sleep in the last few months, that negotiating committee? So, of course, that is the uh, very recognizable voice of Fran Drescher, actor, actress and president of SAG-AFTRA, speaking to CNN about the agreement that was reached with all the heads of the Hollywood studios. Um, That strike has been going on for how many hundreds of days was it? Mm. Um, 
118 days that strike went on. And so it's a big deal. And some of the details from Variety, it says that um, the deal will see the first ever protections for actors against artificial intelligence and a historic pay increase. The deal will see most minimums increase by 7% which is 2% above the increases received by the Writers Guild of America and the Directors Guild yeah. of America. It also includes a streaming participation bonus as well as increases in pension and health contributions. And they said that the, the union says the contract is worth more than a billion dollars in total. Um, they they really fought on this one. And the actors, I mean, you live in L.A. What's it been like watching all these actors on strike for so long? Yeah, it's not. Yes, it's the actors, but it's also all the other ancillary uh, uh, industries and people and mm-hmm. companies and businesses. I went to a fundraiser for a local organization here, and and look, my small town is not out in Hollywood. It's not on the west side. We're we're you know north of downtown LA and and whatever. So we're not like an industry town, but attendance at this fundraiser was down. Uh, total mm-hmm. amount given was down, and it's hit everywhere. Truly, it has. How long do you think it'll take LA to bounce back? I I don't a couple of months maybe to get geared up again, right? I mean I think there's a huge yeah. sense of relief that's palpable right now. But but look, gears gotta get turning and it's been shut down for a hundred and something days and so I think it's gonna take a little bit to get things back up and running. I think I think, you know, by the holidays ish, right? Yeah. You know? I should have gotten all those cameos while I still had the chance. Totally <laughs> totally should have. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good holiday gifts or something. Anyway, okay, uh, let's hear the next clip. Playing politics with IRS funding is unacceptable. Cutting it would be damaging and irresponsible. The equally recognizable voice of the Secretary of the Treasury, <laughs> Janet Yellen, talking uh, this week about nominally the 2024 tax filing season, which is about to be upon us. But more to the point, the thing that we talked about previously on this podcast, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson's uh, effort to tie funding for Israel to the tune of $14 billion to a cut in funding for uh, the Internal Revenue Service. And, of course, the challenge there is if you cut spending for the Internal Revenue Service, you actually increase the deficit because the Internal Revenue Service is whence a lot of government revenue comes. Hello. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll see where that goes. I mean, I mean, look, just just ancillarily, and we should point this out, Speaker Johnson is having the devil's own time getting almost any of the spending bills that he has talked about doing, laddering them, as Chris, as as uh, Kimberly was talking about on the radio show yesterday, right? All of these are going nowhere because the Republican conference in the House is so split that he can't please anybody. And oh, by the way, the 17th is what, like eight days from now, right? I've lost count. Yes. But yeah, we're, we're closing in on a week. Yeah, I was. I need to find this article um, that just had me cracking up. I mean, it didn't have me cracking up. It had me going, huh, about Mike Johnson apparently not having a checking account. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Or any kind of sort of reportable yep. income for, yep. as you know, senator, uh, sorry, members of Congress are supposed to report their bank accounts and their income and their revenue and, and everything like that. And, um, <laughs> 
This is the Washington Post story. It said, uh, in his most recent annual financial disclosures released last year, Johnson reports no assets at all, no retirement accounts, no money market funds, no stocks, no crypto, not even a basic checkings or savings account. Even more peculiar, his disclosures have never listed any checkings or savings accounts on any of the forms he has filed going back to 2016, the year he was elected to Congress. So uh, just... No wonder he's not a huge fan of the IRS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Totally. All right. One one more before we go. Right now, we are so focused on making sure that these pandas are returned to China and they return you know, happily and safely that I can't see beyond that. I know these animals. I know them as individuals. Mm-hmm. They mean so much to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm really going to miss them. Mm, the pandas. So that was National Zoo director Brandy Smith and former panda curator speaking with PBS NewsHour about China's pandas leaving here in Washington, D.C., leaving the United States uh, because the loan agreement for the pandas expired, leaving uh, the Smithsonian National Zoo without pandas for the first time in 23 years. This is a diplomatic tradition that goes back to the Nixon administration. Uh, On NPR this morning, they were playing a little clip of, I guess, a phone call that Nixon made Mm -hmm. to his wife when he got the deal for the pandas, and she was so excited. It was really cute. Um, Anyway, um, I'm very glad that I got to see them a couple times, and whenever I'd have friends come to visit, I'm like, if you're going to be here, you got to go to the African American History Museum and you got to go see the pandas. Mm -hmm. I know totally. those two things are very it, different, it, but the pandas are adorable. It, it's a huge bummer, honestly. It's a bummer it really just is. on the pure, they're really cool to see, and it's really interesting. And on the geopolitical level, too, the idea that we couldn't figure out the negotiations at this point in the Sino-American relationship as opposed to any point in the last 50-whatever-it-is years, 51 years, yeah. it's a total bummer. It's a total bummer. It yeah. says a lot that the relationship has deteriorated that badly that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can't even exchange living stuffed animals. Totally right. Um, but, totally right. Yeah. Sorry, did anyway, you say living stuffed animals? That's pretty funny, actually. That's pretty yes, good. I did. That's pretty good. They're yeah. so cuddly. Yeah. That's kind of what they are. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last time I went to see them, it was just like, he was just like walking around and then just went rolling down the hill just for fun, back up the hill, yep. rolling down the hill. And I'm just like, silly pandas. Silly pandas. Yep. So cute. Anyway, that's it for today. Go cuddle some other animals since the pandas are gone. Not that you could ever cuddle the pandas for real. They do still have the red pandas, which are also quite oh, adorable. And they stand up on their little hind legs and do things. It's very cute. Uh, anyway, <laughs> tomorrow we're going to be back for Economics on Tap, the YouTube live stream. It's going to start at 6.30 on my side of the country, 3.30 on Kai's side of the country. <laughs> uh, you can join us for more news, drinks, and a game. What? We're on different sides of the country. Oh, no, I left totally. out the totally. whole best, worst uh, thing. That's fair. That's what I was chuckling at. <laughs> Today's episode of this podcast, which is called Make Me Smart, was produced by Courtney Berg, seeker with assistance from H. Conley, audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neela Farshabani. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. What are they going to do with all that panda like swag and gear and toys. And I, I stuff don't know, right? It's an infrastructure zoo. thing because these these zoos spent millions of dollars building these facilities yeah. for these animals, and also a whole marketing thing, and and all of that. It, I think it's actually a huge story, just for these zoos. Anyway.